history. When you build a museum and spend many millions of dollars, who gets to make the decisions where those dollars go? Do historians do it? Curators? Architects? Exhibit designers? Administrators? Politicians? The public? A lot of people want to say who owns history. We'll ask Tom Schwartz, Illinois State Historian, what he thinks when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey Internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R.com. Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment. And yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard. And when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality, to begin living a life you love, visit thevitalyou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Tom Schwartz, Illinois State Historian. We're talking about the project Tom worked on for many years, the Illinois, uh, or rather the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum in Springfield, Illinois. Tom, when we were talking last segment about the story that this tells, you pointed out that the new technology, particularly the use of life-size figures, was not, in your view, uh, irreverent or diminishing of Lincoln in any way. And those two words struck me because they imply that perhaps reverence or uh, is it a, reverence is an appropriate way to approach Lincoln, that... Uh, Lincoln should should be presented as in, in its heroic light. Does the new museum do that, and does it do it to an unjustified degree? Um, the museum has a point of view. Uh, it is not the point of view from, uh, from some of the emails I've been receiving of folks who say, how can the taxpayers of Illinois uh, allow $115 million dollars um, be spent on building a museum to honor a president who declared war on his own people. Um, that is that is a point of view that um, is portrayed in the museum by the figure of John Wilkes Booth, uh, but it is not necessarily the one that, that we convey. Uh, what we try to do is to show, get Lincoln off the pedestal. This is not the Lincoln of the Lincoln 
memorial that you see in this museum. What it is is a the story of an individual who grew up on the frontier, uh, who decided not to share the livelihood of his father uh, in subsistence farming, but uh, pursued a variety of different uh, career opportunities, ended up practicing law, but also had a love of politics. And among his beliefs was a deep-seated aversion to slavery. Um, so much so that when he was elected president, um, seven southern states had already seceded by the time he took the oath of office, um, fearing that uh, his professed um, views of just merely preventing the spread of slavery into the territories, not attacking it in the states where it existed, um, that uh, to them he represented enough of a threat that they were willing to uh, secede and uh, declare war than um, to remain within uh, the Union. Uh, and then, of course, dealing with Lincoln's... Uh, uh, the issues that he had to face in combating the war, how both sides had underestimated both the cost and blood and treasure. Um, there's a wonderful map, the Civil War in four minutes, where one second equals one week of the war, where people can sit and visually see the changing battle lines and as well as the mounting casualties that uh, the war created. And uh, Jennifer Weber, who um, is a recent graduate of Jim McPherson's at Princeton and be teaching at University of Kansas, thought it was just a wonderful map to show her students, to you know, show them just the enormity uh, of the war as well as, uh, again, to be able to visualize this conflict it's kind of a very simple um, idea that is is you know uh, makes so many complex things again visually understandable in in, in a four minute period. And I think that concept is a, a great one. I'm I have not been to the museum yet. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. One of my colleagues here at East Carolina just came back from Illinois. He saw it and. The Civil War in Four Minutes was the exhibit that he mentioned to me as the most striking. From a historian's point of view, he thought the most effective mm -hmm. uh, use of technology to tell an important, complex story in a short time in an accessible way. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that and other things. Now, sometimes technology can be used to tell a story that's a great story and a dramatic story, but maybe not the right story. Uh, when I, I once interviewed a museum designer for the, the Fort Wayne Lincoln Museum uh, with my colleagues there, and while driving him to the airport, he told the story of an exhibit they built in New York City at the Natural History Museum there. They mounted a dinosaur skeleton, uh, a brontosaurus-type dinosaur, rearing up on her hind legs to protect her nest. And the neck of the dinosaur stretches high into the top of the rotunda. It's a very dramatic exhibit. However, paleontologists are not sure that the animal ever behaved that way. 
that it would protect its young or that it could rear up like that. The museum designers said that's what people leave talking about. It's the greatest exhibit. They loved it. But scientifically, it was maybe yes, maybe no. It was dubious. Do you, you're the historian on this project. Did you have to deal with exhibit designers who wanted to tell a great story that might or might not be true? But, you know, that's that's the tension between what historians do. I mean, that was the tension between the historical consultants and Ken Burns in the Civil War series. Exactly. And and it's it's the tension that's between historians and exhibit designers in uh, the museums, whether it be in Fort Wayne or whether it be in Springfield, Illinois. What, what people who, um, who come from very visual backgrounds... Uh, such as documentary filmmakers and and uh, exhibits folks uh, or Hollywood film directors, they are interested in dramatic uh, moments and and kind of creating these these peaks of of emotional tension. Um, whereas historians understand that while they often exist that more times than not, there's more complexity, it's more muddled, it's not such a straight, uh, straightforward proposition. And, but, I mean, what I have come to understand and respect, respect in this whole process is the perspective of these, uh, of the exhibit designers. I mean, they, they are brilliant, creative geniuses. Um, what I hope that they have gained from me and the other historians involved is um, a greater sense of complexity. And it's not that I don't think they understand that, but I, I think what they understand more than perhaps historians is how do you make this, convey the story in an effective way without confusing or losing your audience. And, and that, that is a challenge. Was there any, any example in the museum of uh, one of those, those, I won't call it a battle, uh, a synthesis where the designers had one idea, the historians had another, where, where you think the historians, I won't say the historians won, where you, where you think the, the result was a good one, where everything came out historically, you like it, uh, and it still tells a good story. What's, what's a good example there? Well, I think what the, what the historians were able to do, uh, again, opposite the, the Civil War in four minutes, you've got that whole wall of images where, um, you know, in order to tell... This, the, the problem with, with, with telling the story of Lincoln is that you're also telling the story of the Civil War. And the Civil War also uh, often becomes the story and you lose Lincoln in it. Um, Lincoln becomes a casualty of the war, so to speak. Um, by putting all of this wall of images up, you're able to tell the story of the Civil War and all of its complexity. What, what kind of, just for those who haven't seen it, what kind of images are we talking about here? You've got images of, uh, of soldiers, of camp life, of, of women, both um, as, uh, for example, Mary Walker, who was... Um, a surgeon who was a prisoner of war, and she won a Congressional Medal of Honor out of it. Um, the story of um, uh, Albert Cashier, uh, who was actually a woman, <laughs> um, Jenny Hodges. 
um, who disguised herself as a man in order to fight. You've got a photo of uh, a prisoner from Andersonville who's emaciated. It could have been a photo of someone from any of the death camps in World War II. Um, amputees of children, of drummer boys, of you know, of blacks. Uh, it, it it allows you to to go through the whole story of the war and all of its complexity without that overtaking the story of Lincoln. And and that's where the, the historian said, you know, we we still have we have to talk about the war and we have to sh- talk about its enormity and its complexity. And and that was. You know, a very good compromise on how to do that uh, in, in in such a creative way. You've got these touchscreen monitors which allow you to to focus on a particular wall and then a particular picture in the wall and bring it up. And and you you, you know you could spend hours at those monitors alone. Um, a, a section where the historians lost, <laughs> uh, but it, it it's still very effective. Educators love it. Um, though historians don't, and and that's the campaign of 1860. Um, rather than reproduce the campaign platforms and uh, talk about kind of the the four way race and and the the divisions, um, and kind of fusion candidates, all of that, they break it down into a four minute uh, segment. Tim Russert uh, talks. Uh, explains these 30-second campaign ads. Now, it's a historical. They didn't have TV. Um, but that's how most of the audience thinks about political campaigns. And so, when again, when you're talking about an audience that largely has little, if any, background on Lincoln or the time period, you're able to at least leave one major idea of each of those candidates and begin the discussion um, and build on, well, okay, they didn't really campaign this way. Let's talk further about it. So, so I mean, in, in a classroom... Better than nothing, certainly. Yeah, you've got a foundation for, for discussion. In our last few seconds, uh, and this maybe illustrates uh, something you said about the museum from the start, not being based on artifacts, we really haven't touched on the, the crown jewels uh, of the collection, the artifacts that are ultimately uh, in in the center of the museum when you finally get through there. Uh, tell us in, in 20 seconds some of the truly important pieces that we can see. One of five original copies of the Gettysburg Address. We have a signed copy of the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, we have Mary Lincoln's wedding skirt. We have the president's presidential leather portfolio, which he carried important state papers, including probably drafts of the Emancipation Proclamation to and from the White House and Soldiers' Home. Um, China, um, shaving mirrors, and uh, Tad Lincoln's toy cannon. So. It, it, just, it's items like that that no amount of technology can reproduce. When you're in the same room as the Gettysburg Address written in Lincoln's hand, you're as close to history as, as you can get. Absolutely. Tom, it's been a pleasure talking with you as always. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to coming to the museum, and I hope uh, we can get together then and, and talk some more. I urge everybody listening to visit the Lincoln Presidential Museum in Springfield, Illinois. It's certainly worth the trip, and uh, just to make up one's own mind on the dramatic new presentation. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio.